If you have your Bibles, please join me in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I'm going to talk about the new year, which Christmas is gone. Can you believe that? That was, you're sad, right? You're so sad. Well, you got to move on. Time doesn't. Uh, 43 bowl games. And some of the teams are like six and six. I, I posted this morning on Facebook, there was 15 bowl games in the 70s. It meant something to have a bowl game. Now you're a winner, even if you're a loser. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, I want to focus on 2024. And one of the, I, I think one of the, best text for this is when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church. And just to kind of do a little context here, uh, Paul had renounced Judaism in Philippians 3, 7, whatever gain I had counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul was a Hebrew among Hebrews, and he said, look, everything that was in my past, he knew the law well. That's why he wrote in Romans and Galatians about the law. Paul knew it better than anybody. And he was one of the reasons God, I believe, chose him to write about the law. So the Apostle Paul here comes to emphasize that he needs to know Christ more. That he needs to know Christ more. In 8 through 11, you can read that later. And then in 3, 12 to 15, Paul puts that idea of needing to know Christ more in the arena of sports. So all of you that love sports, this is a day for you. He uses an athletic metaphor to talk about what it means to know Christ more and how you actually get to that point in your life where the goal of your life is to know Jesus more and more and more. And so uh, we kind of look at this map just for a minute Right up here, we have Philippi, which is on the peninsula. You can see the Aegean Seas to the south, and to the east, you have the Black Sea. So when Paul wrote this, the Olympic Games and the Greek Games were quite prevalent in the society. They would have connected immediately with this metaphor. And you think about today, we talk about bowl games, we talk about football games. I didn't catch the final, fell asleep last night watching the LA Kings and the Oilers. I don't know who won that game, but uh, sports is big in our culture. Sports is money in our culture. You start talking about baseball, football, people would know immediately, particularly if you have in a sermon, using uh, a bowl game, people would connect immediately with it. And so when Paul wrote this, he was connecting with the audience saying, look, if you want to know Christ, and that is your sole purpose in life, which I think it is, then I'm going to use this metaphor to show you what that looks like and what it should, how it should play out in your own personal life. So let's, let's go ahead and get in here. And uh, a lot of this stuff, we carry a lot of bags with us. And the Apostle Paul is telling us that we need to let go. We need to let go of the past, and he begins with a confession, which I find 
unbelievable for the Apostle Paul. You would think the Apostle Paul had already arrived, but listen to what he writes. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Of course, brothers refers to uh, any fellow believer in Christ who has been redeemed by the blood of Christ. He says, brothers, I do not consider to have it have reached that point. Logizomize, the word for consider, it basically means that Paul is bearing something in mind. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. This isn't me writing. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing. I'm going to bear in mind that I have not made it my own. Catalambo. Catalambo. To come to an understanding of something which was not previously known. If I could put it this way to you, if I put it in translation like this, I have to bear in mind that I do not fully understand what it means to know Christ. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. I don't fully know what it means in his own walk with, with Christ, the one who wrote 27% of the New Testament. He says, I do not fully know. Uh, Lehman Strauss in his commentary writes this, they expressed the realization that he had not reached the high water mark of his calling. He was never fully satisfied with himself. So Paul, Paul has this, this image of, I'm not there yet. I know that personally in my own life, this is what drives me. This is what motivates me. This is what gets me up in the morning and what my central focus is in life. And he says here, Lehman Strauss, nor can any of us afford to be. Even if we have not sinned outwardly of late, we know the secret shortcomings of our hearts. The Apostle Paul is acknowledging that even though he would, was close to Christ, he had not fully come to the realization of what it means to have Christ fully formed in his heart. That's an amazing statement. That's an amazing confession to the church that he is writing to. So let me ask you a question. What's your driving force? What's the driving force of your life? I think this new year, I think would be a really good time to start January 1st, which is tomorrow, to start getting in the Word of God. You can't possibly come to know Christ if you're not in His Word. You can't possibly come to a deeper relationship with Christ if you're not in His Word. There's a lot of ways that you can do this. You can just open the Bible and read. There's uh, wonderful MP3 players. There's there's still CDs around that you can listen to the Bible. Uh, you say, well, I don't have time. Well, if you drive 10 minutes to work, you can listen to almost an entire chapter, depending on how long or short the chapter is. You may be able to listen to two chapters. You could, and if you start thinking that way, and you start thinking about getting God's Word in, it begins to work on the heart. I think if we were to be real, and honest, all of us could do a better job at reading his word. There was an old saying, some books inform, some books reform, but only the Bible can transform. And I think it's probably pretty good because we believe as Christians 
that the Bible is living and active, piercing even the inward hearts, the parts of the heart. So let me encourage you and, and myself that this year, let's make Bible reading a priority. It really is. It is a phenomenal statement by the Apostle Paul. Brothers, sisters, I'm not there. Wow. That gives the rest of us hope, right? Right? If, if the Apostle Paul's writing this, it gives us hope. If, if Paul would have written, brothers and sisters, I'm already there. We'd be, oh, no. How do we get there? Right? But this wonderful confession of the Apostle Paul gives us hope, and I think the readers would have understood that. Think about it. The readers, during this time, persecution was beginning to take place, and, and yet the Apostle Paul here says, look, I'm not there, but I want to encourage you to get there. Now, his attitude which is where we start launching in. If you've been waiting for the sports metaphors, here we come. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. But one thing I do is one word in the Greek, it's haste. And that means in contrast to doing more than one thing. So the Apostle Paul says there's one singular focus. Just one. And actually, if you think about it, to know Christ in fullness should be the central focus because everything trickles down from that moment. So when the Apostle Paul says, there's one thing that I do, he has one singular focus when his feet hit the floor in the morning. He has one singular focus when he gets in bed at night, and that is to know Christ in his fullness. That's his focus. That's his goal. Now, um, I don't know if you're uh, familiar, as he's going to use a running metaphor, um, and, I, and, I, and I wrote this down, 26.2 miles is what a marathon is. Some of us live as if the Christian life is a sprint. We're just going to sprint ahead to the next thing, the next thing. Actually, the Christian life is a marathon. It's a marathon of ups and downs and difficulties and hardships and joy and uh, euphoria and all of these things. Now, I can speak with, with authority on this one. I've ran in a marathon. It was the Tulsa Marathon. And, and I also say this, I will never do it again. But I finished halfway through that marathon. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, did I want to quit. And I think we started with 50 guys, and by the end of it, we were down to 10. We were running in formation. One thing that kept me going during that entire time, I wasn't looking behind me. I was looking forward, and I said, I am going to cross that finish line. I am going to make this run, and I did, and then when you cross the finish line, I didn't know this, they wrap you up like a burrito. They, they throw this, I don't know, it was an aluminum foil type thing around me to keep the heat in so I didn't get heat exhaustion from, from running. But when I crossed that finish line, 
because I had been working on that for three hours. I don't know where our time was. I know we didn't finish well. Frank Shorter won that race. He probably finished it in 50 minutes. I don't know, but when we crossed that finish line, there was a sense that, wow, we did that. And of course, I don't remember too much. I didn't pass out or anything. I just don't remember everything. But I do remember crossing that finish line. Something that I had trained three or four months for. And we crossed that finish line. And it was amazing. And I said, I'm never doing this again. This is nuts. (laughs) But the Apostle Paul says there was one thing that drove him. And it was to know Christ. But there's something that needs to take place. In order to run the race to your best and to the ability that God has given you, something has to go away. He says here, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Epilanthanomai. To not recall information, I'm just reading from the Greek. To not recall information concerning some particular matter. And it ultimately means to let it go. What lies behind in the Greek language is a specific point of time. That's why I named this time. So in order to run the race, the Apostle Paul says, you can't look back. You have to let something in the past go. And that may be past failures. It's so easy uh, when we look at the past and we think about the way things were. And we get fixated on failures or, oh, what if only I could have change this or only if I could have changed this or or what a terrible mistake that I made do you know what you're doing spiritually you're stagnant you are not moving forward you are not pressing on towards knowing Christ Satan has you stuck in the past and that's exactly where he wants you to be There, there there comes a point in your life when you have to go goodbye and you have to let that go and I have seen Christians, they, it's, like, it's like Satan has them fixated on the past where they can't press to the future. Look, I don't know what happened in your past, and I know it was probably, I've had a few. I've had a few moments that I think to myself at times, I wish I could go back. But you know what? If you get stuck in the past and you let it dictate your emotions, you let it dictate who you are in Christ, you're not moving forward. So Paul says, look, Hebrew of Hebrews, I knew the law fully. I was the greatest Judaizer of all time. But you know what? Gone. 
You can't run a marathon with a 50-pound pack and get very far. This is, should be kind of freeing to us. The attitude should be that we need to forget what lies behind. Kenneth Woost, in his explanation of the Greek New Testament, he wrote this, Just as a runner's speed is slackened, should he think of those behind him and the thud, thud, thud of their pounding feet, so the Christian's onward progress is hindered should we dwell on the past failures and sins, full of heartaches and dis dis discouragements, full of disappointments and thwarted hopes and plans. And he's absolutely right. Are you living in the past? Well, this is what my life used to be. It's not that way today. Oh, I long for those days of old. And that's exactly where Satan wants you. He wants you in the past. He wants you thinking about, oh, what it could have been, what my life could have been. Listen, your identity, yes, your past does shape who you are, but the past does not define who you are. There's a big difference. And I've met people, I've met Christian, a, a, a woman in my first full-time church, she came to me and confided. She said, Pastor, I had an abortion when I was a teenager. Teenager. And she said, I can't get over that. And I said, did you repent of that? And she said, yes, I did. And I said, go on with your life. It's done. And see, some of you are beating yourselves up over the past, and I want to encourage you and urge you as your pastor this morning to let the past go. It may shape you, but it does not define who you are in Christ right here, December 31st, 2023. It does not define you. Jesus Christ defines you. You've been paid for by the blood of Christ and therefore every sin that you may have committed may have been your fault, may have done wrong. You need to let that go because as soon as you repent of it, God doesn't remember it. And so you've got to move forward in your life. And the Apostle Paul says, he doesn't say what I do is, is I wake up in the morning and I just run. He said, wakes up in the morning and he goes, you know what, my past is done. Today's a new day. Let's get this. And let me become more and more like Jesus. He goes on with the metaphor here. Uh, let me go back. I don't want you to see that yet. Straining forward to what lies ahead. So Paul's putting something down. He says, you know what? 1972 was a horrible year for me as a, as a kid, but you know what? I got to let that go. I cannot change the past. I cannot alter the past. All I can do now is move forward in my walk. Not only does he get rid of baggage, I want you to see this. You have to get rid of your baggage. He says this, straining forward to what lies ahead. You get the image of a runner. Straining with every fiber of his being to get ahead. 
Richard Mellick in his commentary writes this, the word continues the athletic metaphor. It is particularly graphic, it is, when you look it up. Bringing to mind the straining muscles, clear focus, and complete dedication of the runner in his race to the prize. Both mental and physical discipline were necessary. You get this idea, look at his legs and the muscles moving, and this runner is racing towards the, the finish line as, as he runs. It, 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 it's, it's like, okay, I've got to let this go because the prize is ahead of me, and I'm going to strain with every fiber of my being to get there. And that's how you know Christ. You show me somebody that has that mindset and that attitude. That this today, forget that which is behind. I'm going to learn everything I can about Jesus so that I can become like him in this world to a world that desperately needs to know him. I'm going to try to let Christ control my life so fully that the past is a memory that I've let go of. This, this is really important. You just look at him. He is intent. He's not looking behind him. He's looking straight ahead. And all he wants to do is hit that finish line. And that's the way it should be in our Christian walk. That the whole goal of this Christian life, if you would agree with me, is to know Jesus. And you can't possibly come to know Jesus in the fullness sense. And the Apostle Paul, it's amazing. I just kept thinking about that. Some of the scholars that I read said the same thing, that, that he's admitting, I'm not there yet, but you know what? I'm going to use this metaphor to teach you how to move forward and become more like Jesus and to know him in a mighty way. And they would have understood this. So we've looked at... Paul's confession, I'm not there yet, but you know what? The one thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to dump the past and I'm going to embrace the future. And I know this is difficult. And I'm not trying to say that the past didn't hurt. But if you constantly live in the past, you can't possibly run forward. And so you have to come to a, to a decision point in your life when you say, you know what? All right. I've got to let this go. Because not only am I living in the past, but I'm mourning the past. And you can't possibly have the joy of Christ in your heart if you're in mourning. It happens to all of us, let's be honest. It happens to me. And I think about stuff I should have done, could have done, would have done. And you get focused on that and you go, boy, was that the dumbest mistake I ever made? But you know what? That keeps you from knowing Christ. Just let it go. Just say today, December 31st, I almost said 1923, 20, 2023, I'm going to let that go. It might have shaped the person that I've become, but it is not my identity. And, I, and there may be things, there, 
There may be things that were great in your past, but you've got to live now. Martin Luther, the great Reformed theologian, said this, there's two days, today and that day. Live today, folks. Whatever happened in your past, you've got to bury it. You've got to let go of it. And you can actually learn from the past, but you can't live there. And that's a big difference. And Paul doesn't finish. He doesn't finish yet. He says, I'm straining forward and I'm pressing onward. And the motivation, I press on toward the goal. I press on towards the goal for the prize. This word, dioko, press on, dioko, this is what it means. To follow with haste and presumably with intensity of effort. Yes, it is. Very intense. It's almost like an um, a, a, a aorist command in the Greek language. For friendly or hostile purpose, and I like these two right here to chase after and to pursue. So Paul says, look, I'm going to strain with every ounce of my being. And, and in order to do that, you let go of the past and you have to say, look, 2024 is a new year, a new time to begin life anew. And you know what? What happened in the past, things that went in the past, I'm just letting that stuff go because my singular focus is going to be to know Jesus this year in a much greater realm. And we repent of our sins as we move through life. I, I get that. You can't live there. And I felt so bad for that woman because she could not let it go. And I said, do you mind if I pray with you? And she said, yes. And we prayed. And I hope she did let it go because... Yes, it was horrible, but she was not a believer at the time. And I told her, if you truly confess that and repented of it, it's gone. Some of you just need to get to a place where you say, you know what, God, help me let go of that. So many people carry burdens in this life. Please let it go. Just let it pass. This is an interesting, I, I think this, this may have what Paul had in mind. See that? He didn't trip. He was diving to get his hands across that finish line. And that's the metaphor I think Paul's working for here. Somebody that says, I'm going to dive for it. I probably wouldn't try that outside the church, but 
but mentally. God, everything that I have this year, I want you to radically change me and, and, and help me become more and more like you. And Father, I want to know you more and more. And each day I make that my focus in life to become more and more like Christ. Now, I love that. If you go on and read the article, the, he said, I was diving towards that line to get in to the top position. He thought he could get there faster by jumping, but tell you what, his focus was on that finish line, and he knew where that finish line was, and he went right towards it. That's an, that's an amazing... Have you ever tried those hurdles? When I was young, I wouldn't try it now unless they were like this tall, but <laughs> yeah. He does this towards the goal for the prize. Brabeon. Brabeon. It means a gift received as a prize or reward as the result of having won a competition. Twenty twenty four. You're at the starting line. You have an opportunity now to run the race set before you. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. When they're running, they don't look around. They don't look back. They don't look at their feet. They are exercising focus. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. We don't know how much time we have. The Bible says our days are numbered. And, 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 and so the, in 2024, when it strikes midnight, you want to get in position where you can run with the sole goal, casting off the past, with the sole goal of knowing Jesus Christ more in 2024. Hey, that kind of rhymed. Knowing Christ more in 2024. And you know what that means? That means reading your Bible. That means praying. That means coming to church. It means uh, getting in small groups and Sunday school and, and, and bouncing ideas off. Iron sharpens iron and doing all of those things. Yeah, that's... I got a feeling Paul would have really liked sports in today because he used a lot of it. That's 1 Corinthians, by the way. Paul's using the metaphor there. He talked about fighting. He talked about wrestling. He talked about running. All of these were images and metaphors that would have readily been... King Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Sports has been around a long time.
Yeah, I remember looking for that running video and the wide world of sports came up. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat and that poor little guy sliding off with his... <laughs> I think it was John McKay who used to host that. Bringing you the constant variety of sports. That's living in the past. Let go, Mike. Let go. And the call. So we've talked about letting go of the past, making it your effort in life to strain forward to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's the sphere or the realm in which we live in Christ. This is an interesting uh, uh Interesting word. It's, it's a combination word. Upward call. Anoclesis. Anoclesis. And you know what that means? Above task. The upward call is an above task. It's not here. So the stuff that we look at here is irrelevant. It's the upward or above task that we've been given by God. Philippians 3, this is Paul writing this, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. We have an upward call. The upward call affects how we live our lives. So Paul says, I'm going to exchange the earthly stuff and I'm going to pursue the upward call. And the upward call involves the heavenlies and the tasks that God has given us. I wrote some of these down here. Our heavenly task, our task is heavenly, not earthly. Number one, I think it involves sharing the good news of the gospel. Look for opportunities. That, I don't think anybody here would have a problem with that. One of the primary goals, other than knowing Jesus Christ, is to share the gospel so that people can be saved. Right? Reaching out to people. I think reaching out to people is, in a way, a reflection to the gospel, but also reaching out to each other. In case you don't know, this is a marathon, and sometimes we stumble and fall, and we need to get picked up by others. And say, run, keep running. In that marathon, I was trying to keep... Actually, I, I became the, the sergeant in charge of it after the staff sergeant dropped out early on, and so I'm telling these people to dress up, dress up, dress up, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. I was a cheerleader. But you know what? In cheering, it actually helped me. Because I was encouraging them to sh sh get, get the ranks together. We're going to do this right. We're gonna, and trying to get their mind on the prize, finishing the race. And sometimes we stumble and we fall and we get stuck and we need each other. Rather than 
boom, boom, boom. Hey, let me help you up. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's get going. Sergeant Zerker in Germany, when he'd come in at 5 o'clock in the morning to wake us up, I was a private. He would stand and kick the door open. We had eight guys in our room. Uh, yeah, four, four double bunks. Sergeant Zerker would walk in, kick the door open. Let's go, let's go, L-E-T-S-G-O. And we'd have to get up and be like, oh, can't that guy just go back to sleep? I mean, still got 15 minutes before I have to be at formation and run PT. Yeah. Doing the work of ministry in the church. That's an above task. It might mean joining a church, becoming part of a church, uh, getting involved in the work of ministry. That is part of the call. And running the best that we can, and we need each other. We do. Build each other up. That was another one. We don't need to tear each other down. We need to build each other up, and we need, need to do a better job at it some, sometimes. Uh, this has been one of the most encouraging churches that I've had the privilege of pastoring all the notes that I get through the year from people. Ah, I love this. And I'm going to, I see my, I'm at the 34 minute mark, which I'm that finish line. You guys are like, yes, pastor cross the finish line. This is probably one of the best quotes I've ever seen. And it's by Max Anders in his commentary, and I loved it, and I think this is a great way to finish this sermon. He wants us to hear God call his name and summon him to the victory stand. Isn't that awesome? That we run in such a way that, that when we cross that finish line, and I mean upward finish line, where he will meet Jesus face to face and know him in perfect intimacy. Earthly prizes do not last, but earthly, uh, heavenly prizes do. Isn't that awesome? You get called to the victory stand. I have finished the race. And the Apostle Paul, before he died, before he's walked out to the place of execution, I have kept the faith, I have finished the race, and there waits for me a crown of righteousness in heaven. Wow. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to this time, today, right now, to make a decision that you're going to let go of the past. You're not going to live there. You're not going to stay there. You're going to say, God, help me get over the past so that I can start living for you now. Make it your goal this year to know Jesus more. Make it every day. Paul says, one thing that I do is I focus my life on knowing Christ. 